Hello and welcome to the Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Rupert McConnick, founder and EP at Seville Productions. I'm delighted today to have as a guest Dan Tarman, co-founder and managing partner at Perceptual Advisors. Welcome, Dan. How are you? Hey, Rupert. Good morning. Nice to hear from you. Good to see you again as well. So, so tell us a little bit about your background and career before Perceptual Advisors, Dan. <clears throat> well, uh, I started my career as an attorney, uh, and so as I often share with people, I'm now a recovering attorney. And uh, it only took me a couple of years to realize the error of my ways. I loved law school, um, but hated being an attorney. So I I made sort of a sharp pivot quite a few years ago and uh, went from being a litigator at a very well-known corporate law firm in Miami to working in economic development. And in the spirit of life comes full circle, and maybe we'll talk about this in a few minutes, but uh, as it turns out, the person who saved me from being a lawyer back in 1993 is one of my partners at Perceptual Advisors today. So maybe maybe he had a long-term plan that you didn't tell you about. <laughs> well, uh, we, we used to threaten each other 25 years ago that at some point we were going to go into business together. So here we are. Well, there you go. So tell us a little bit about Perceptual Advisors. What's missing from the marketplace that inspired you to create the company? Thanks for the question. So we are a global full-stack brand strategy, marketing communications, and public affairs firm. And our value proposition is centered on the fact that we are all, all of us, 35 plus of us, are all very senior uh, executive communications professionals, marketing professionals, brand strategy professionals. uh, And we don't employ anybody junior in our firm. So we deliver the counsel and the strategy and we roll up our sleeves and do the work. Uh, And we have found that in working with founders, funders, entrepreneurs, and disruptors, which is our sweet spot, that there is a tremendous desire, demand, and need for the kind of services that we provide uh, rather than the traditional model where the senior folks come in, they sell the business, and then they exit stage right, and you're introduced to a bunch of junior people with very little experience. Uh, So we've flipped that model on its head, and so far... Uh, We've been in business for just about two years. It's been successful in terms of growing our business, but also, most importantly, delivering value to clients. And so how has the company evolved in the last couple of years? Well, when we started, uh, you know, there's always a story, right? And so our our story is, is interesting. Just about two years ago this month, I wrote a piece on LinkedIn and on Medium uh, about autism. I have a 15-year-old son who's on the autism spectrum. And I published on LinkedIn and an old colleague of mine from when I worked at Burson Marsteller 25 years ago named Claudia Joya reached out to me and she said that she saw the piece and she asked me if I'd be comfortable with her republishing it on a Latin business platform that she was working with as a client. And I said yes. Uh, And so that got us to having a conversation because we were both doing some consulting work. And long story short is we put our heads together and said, well, why don't we create a, a firm uh, we have an, a potentially interesting value proposition. I have a lot of Silicon Valley experience. I'm here on the West Coast. She's based in Miami, originally from Argentina. So we said, let's let's create a firm and go find one client. Let's see how it goes working together since we haven't worked together in 25 years. Uh, since then, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, we've grown to being a, a global firm with 35 plus people. 
a very large portfolio of clients and, you know, we're, we're doing really great work. And so it's been a, a really interesting and extremely fun journey. Uh, and all of us that are part of the organization uh, are friends from, from another life. Uh, so all, there's a, a very strong bond of friendship that underlies the entire business. One of our values is friendship first always. Uh, you know, we, we really mean it. We've all worked in the corporate setting many times over. And so we we decided to do things our way and base a business on trust uh, and friendship and no BS. That's good. So, so what are some of the brands you've been working with? So we, we work, as I mentioned, with a number of companies who are founder-led or funders, meaning investors, entrepreneurs, and disruptors. So I can give you a few examples of uh, organizations that we work with and we're very proud of. Uh, one of our most important clients is the Autism Impact Fund which is the world's first ever venture capital fund for autism. Uh, I also uh, wear dual hats. I serve as their chief communications officer. Very interesting client of ours. We also work with a number of their portfolio companies. So they refer us into a number of their portfolio companies to support them in building their brands and their reputations, uh, et cetera. Uh, So within the AIF, which is the acronym for Autism Impact Fund, We work for a number of companies, Florio, which is a virtual reality company for autism, founded by the engineer who created Amazon Prime and was also the former chief digital officer of the Washington Post. Uh, We work with another company within AIF's portfolio called Marabio, which has identified the first ever antibody that can be attributed to an incidence of autism in a mother. Uh, So they're developing a diagnostic around that. So those are a couple examples on the autism side. Uh, We work with a SoftBank-funded a mental health digital therapeutics company called Big Health, which uh, is a great client of ours as well. We also work in the fintech space. Uh, so we work with a, a company called Curve, K-U-R-V, which is going to be um, bringing a financial technology product to market. I can't share the details of that. Uh, so those are just a, a handful uh, of some of the companies that we work with. There are many, many others. I'm obviously not just going to list through all of the clients, but we serve a range of companies across verticals. So not just healthcare, it really, uh, we're agnostic to the industry uh, because as we find that the discipline of what we do can be translated a- across industry sectors. Wonderful. So how do you get C-suite execs to commit time and money to brand purpose when its effects are not always immediate? I mean, everyone's living in this sort of quarter by quarter existence and <laughs> um, you know, not necessarily the best way forward, you know. Well, you know, you have to be able to walk and chew gum at the same time. And by that, I mean, you know, many companies, whether they're early stage venture funded clients or large cap publicly traded companies, of which we have several uh, that we work with as well, they all have to focus on meeting short term milestones and going through, you know, different intervals in in the business cycle. Uh, And so you obviously have to focus on the here and now. But if, if you don't have a sense of where you're going and brand and purpose are often the North Star, you know, the brand is, is a promise basically to your stakeholder and, and purpose is often the raison d'etre, right? The reason why a company exists. If you don't have that as a North Star and stay focused on that, it's often, it's easy to lose sight of the, you know, the forest of the trees. And all of our clients are, are focused on building scalable, sustainable businesses. And so we're fortunate that we work with founders and CEOs and C-suite executives that understand that. And they're, you know, they're constantly you know, managing the balance between the short-term 
and being focused on on the long term. And you know, it enables us to be as strategic as possible rather than just transactional and tactical. Wonderful. So, so do you think purpose and profits are at odds? No, I, I think that it's a, a, a misnomer. Uh, you know, and as I said, you know, you could you could call it purpose or you could call it, you know, the reason a business exists. You know, there obviously there are some businesses that are not necessarily purpose-driven per se, uh, but there are other businesses that are founded based on purpose. And an example that I would cite, which I mentioned a few minutes ago, is the Autism Impact Fund. It's a for-profit venture capital fund deploying millions of dollars of institutional investment capital into technology companies and other emerging enterprises, biotechs, et cetera, uh, in the autism space, which, is, which has a TAM or a total addressable market in the tens of billions of dollars. Um, and the Autism Impact Fund is completely purpose-driven. You know, their, their mission is to revolutionize the status quo for diagnosing, treating, and living with autism through a venture capital model. And, you know, and that's the, the key to what they're doing is to apply purpose in a capitalistic manner in order to effectuate societal change. And so I don't think they're mutually exclusive. Uh, and I think that companies that are purpose-driven, you can replace the word purpose with authenticity. I, I think it's really important for companies these days, whether you're a D2C company or a B2B company, stakeholders look for authenticity. Um, and so if you replace the word authentic for purpose, um, I don't know that many companies can be sustainable and scalable without an authentic reason for being um, and without being able to deliver that to stakeholders, both their employees to attract re- and retain employees, but also customers, whether, again, whether your customer is a business or whether your customer is a consumer, they're constantly gauging the authenticity of the promise that you're delivering to them. So for early stage companies, is purpose a priority? How do you define purpose? I mean, some people define it as the entire purpose of the company to like a bit of philanthropy on the side that we do to make ourselves feel good occasionally, you know? First of all, I think that these terms often get, you know, overly broadly applied or or they, they can be uh, on the other hand, they can be pigeonholed. So on the pigeonholed part, you know, the, the purpose stuff sometimes gets uh, relegated to, you know, the, phil- the philanthropy people in the company, wherever they report in. I think that's a mistake. Um, and I do think there are en- entities that engage in, let's call it purpose watching, uh, excuse me, purpose washing. And, you know, those are, those are companies that are inauthentic. Right. Uh, you know, I, I, was, I was at the gym recently and I I saw someone wearing a T-shirt from a very well-known investment firm that I'm familiar with, and it is not a company that's driven, you know, by a purpose ethos. Yet they they had this purpose T-shirt with all sorts of slogans on it that I knew directly to be very inauthentic. That's not the way, you know, to to drive purpose. But if if you can align what your brand promises to stakeholders with you know a, a clear and authentic sense of why you exist and the value that you deliver to those stakeholders and to society, uh, I think that there's not only quite a bit of harmony, but there's also a lot of power in that. Uh, and I, I you know and I think stakeholders that are on the receiving end of the value proposition and on the messaging uh, that those companies deliver, they can they can sniff out authenticity and inauthenticity very quickly. Again, I, I think to, to go back to the initial premise of your question, I do think it's a mistake when companies relegate purpose to some department. 
uh, instead of you know seeing a, a thread that can can cut across the entire enterprise. No, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think it shouldn't just be a nice to have. It should be our purpose. So what advice would you give young marketers entering the workforce? Well, I, you know, I, I would give several pieces of, of advice. First, um, there's no job that's, that should be beneath you. you know? And I say that as a founder of, of now a, a global firm where there's no job that's beneath me. You know, we, we, all of us, not only do we roll up our sleeves and do the work, but we do what would be considered to be the grunt work ourselves. And so, you know, have humility and realize that, you know, gaining experience is often based on what you might as a, you know, entry level or young marketer seem, see to be, you know, not particularly strategic or impactful. I also think it's incredibly important to identify and cultivate mentors throughout my entire career. And, I, and I'm sure many people, you know, that are listening to this have experienced this themselves. And this is no great revelation. But almost every job that I've gotten has been because someone has referred me into it. And so cultivate those mentors, learn from them. Um, your professional network is so important. And, you know, to that point, my, as I mentioned at the outset of the podcast, my partners in Perceptual Advisors are all very close friends of mine. Uh, the guy who saved me from being a lawyer is our executive creative director. He's been my friend for 32 years. Claudia, my co-founder, and I have been friends for 25 years. And so increasingly today, I think that there's a real uh, kind of blurring between the professional and the personal. Uh, and some of, some of your best friends might be people that you meet in your first job. Uh, and, you know, you, you might create a, you know, a mafia, so to speak, from that first job of people that you're in touch with you know, years and years later. And so, you know, nurture those relationships because they'll be personally enriching to you because of shared experience, but they can also be professionally enriching as well. What do you see as your ne the next chapter of your career or the next chapter of Perceptual Advisors? Well, the next chapter of my career is certainly going to be with Perceptual Advisors. You know, we're, we're, as I mentioned, we're just two years old <clears throat> and we're at 35 plus people with part, I have a partner in Zurich, Switzerland, who used to work with me uh, at eBay. Again, speaking of the, the melding of the, you know, the, these longstanding professional relationships, we have people in Latin America, throughout North America. Um, and so, you know, our intent is to build our firm into being a really compelling value-added resource for companies, you know, of, of all sizes. Uh, and so, you know, we see ourselves, you know, not growing for growth's sake, but growing because there is a value that we're delivering. Um, and I can say that after being in the workforce for 30 plus year, 30 plus years, I've never had so much fun. I'm working my ass off every day. I work 12 to 14 hours a day. Uh, my office is my MacBook Pro, <clears throat> which I love. I'm sitting at my kitchen counter right now with a cup of tea in my left hand. Um, I'm working with some of my closest friends in my life and, you know, we're building something built to last. And, um, and so, you know, that's uh, perceptual advisors will, will be, you know, the, the swan song for me, uh, of my career. Great. Well, why was it called perceptual advisors? I don't think I asked that question. <laughs> the, again, there's always a story, uh, when Claudia and I agreed that we were going to build some business together, we said, well, if we're going to do that, we're going to need to have a name. And we'll need to put up a website. So I was driving my 15-year-old son to school, and I was just rolling some ideas around my head. 
And the name Perceptual Advisors came to me. I Googled it to make sure no one else had taken it. Because what we work on is perception. Right. Right. Our, our whole ethos, our purpose is to manage, build, strengthen, protect perceptions of the organizations and institutions with whom we work. Uh, we chose the word advisors very intentionally as well. We are not an agency. Uh, we eschew the notion of being an agency. We are an advisory firm. Right. Uh, and by that, you know, we, we partner with the C-suite. We're not a vendor. If you're looking for a vendor, please don't call us. That's not what we do. Uh, but if you're looking people that provide deep hands-on advisory services, that's our value proposition, hence perceptual advisors. Got it. Good. I'm glad we cleared that one up. So, uh, <laughs> so it's been a pleasure, Dan. Thank you very, very much for joining our podcast. We really appreciate it. And I, I love what you're doing. So, so good luck with that. And, and also the, the autism firm that you're supporting. I think that's commendable. Thank you so much, Rupert. And I think it's great that you guys do this podcast. Uh, there are a lot of people who are very, very interested in the topics that your podcast is centered around. Um, I feel very honored and humbled that you would have invited me to uh, sit with you and chat for a few minutes today. So thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Seville Productions Purpose Podcast. Learn more about Seville Productions and our work in the purpose and sponsored entertainment space at www.sevilleproductions.com.